Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here. I'm excited to be bringing to you the last sermon of our sermon series, Life of Faith. We're looking at Hebrews 13 and we're asking ourselves if we are on this life of faith, this journey of faith, uh, how are we called to live? And we're exploring the ways that God calls us uh, founded and rooted in love. I do want to make a quick note that uh, when you get to about the eight minute mark of the sermon, uh, the, the audio does skip. Um, it's at a time when uh, we're talking about how uh, the author of Hebrews uh, starts this section uh, by talking about letting mutual love continue and how uh, this, this word comes from the Greek of uh, Philadelphia, the sisterly, brotherly, sibling love, the, the love that you would have for your family, the love that it takes to be in a supportive relationship with one another, but that it doesn't stop there. And so it picks up again there as we talk about uh, love for strangers, but do check out this sermon um, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. I remember I had uh, recently become the children's uh, director of children's rights advocacy for the General Board of Church and Society of the United Methodist Church. Uh, this is more commonly known as the social justice arm or the advocacy branch of the United Methodist Church. Uh, we have offices uh, literally across the street from the United Nations in, in New York and across the street from uh, the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. And it's, it's the organization that's tasked to be the church's public witness in uh, these halls of power. And so in some cases, I, I worked with uh, policymakers to pass legislation on the issues of my portfolio, like combating uh, human trafficking, like education reform. And my colleagues, they did the same for their respective portfolios. And in other times, uh, I got to travel and to be with local co congregations or communities and to help mobilize and organize around different issues or causes. And so I'm two months into my position, and, and I'm on the road, and I, I'm leading a training and uh, facilitating conversations around the Trafficking Victims Protection Reauthorization Act. This is 2012. And the training was to uh, start on Sunday afternoon. And, and so I decided to arrive into town the day before. Uh, I take the opportunity to grab a meal with a, a mentor, a friend. He's a retired bishop. And we're wrapping up dinner uh, when he unexpectedly asks me, he says, Joseph, and there's just one or two people in the world who call me Joseph. And so he says, Joseph, where are you going to church tomorrow? And I took my time deciding how honest I wanted to be with this bishop. And I said, well, bishop, I think I'm going to take the morning to prepare for the afternoon. You know, I want to make sure that I have all the materials down. I want to make sure that I know what I'm talking about. So Joseph, where are you going to church in the morning? And then I remember he said to me, he said, Joseph, I knew you since you were 11. I'm proud of you. I love you. Look at you in your job. You're doing great work. But don't lose your faith. Don't lose your faith. I think back to that dinner often, especially now as we look to the state of our world. And I, I think about what it means to live a life of faith. It's, it's one thing to know about God. It's, it's one thing to, uh, to know about this God intellectually or cerebrally. It's another to recognize that this God desires relationship with us, that this God invites us to be with God on this journey that is a life 
of faith. And so for these past few weeks, we've been journeying and navigating this book of Hebrews. We've been looking and exploring what a life of faith might look like for us as a community and for us as individuals. And we started this series way back asking the questions, why do we even choose to be on this life of faith? Why do we choose this life of faith? And then we looked at how our journeys are not alone, that we're surrounded by clouds of witnesses who journey with us. And last week, uh, Reverend Jasper Peters, he, he challenged us to persevere through the disruptions so that we might experience a deeper faith. And, and today, I just want to spend a few moments uh, on this final chapter of Hebrews, and I want to invite us to think about the how. How, then, are we to live this life of faith? And so as a review, we don't, we don't know too much about this book of Hebrews. We, we think that it was written sometime in the late first century, sometime in the 80s or 90s, though it's not really clear who the author or authors are, and it's really difficult to identify a specific audience. But we do know that the author is writing to second-generation Christians, uh, second-generation believers, people who learned about Jesus from the people who learned directly from Jesus. And, and so this is a community that's been baptized. And they became the next teachers of this new way. But something got in their way. Something prevented them from going deeper in their faith. And now this author believes that this community is in crisis. The community had experienced hardship because of their faith, including public ridicule and confiscation of property and imprisonment. And, and because of these pressures, some had given up on their faith. Others avoided participating in worship, and still others were growing weary of the suffering. See, these people were people who knew of Jesus, who had been who had bought into the vision of this new way of living. And so they looked to the future with hope and expectancy. They remembered hearing about Jesus and hearing that Jesus said that he would come back for them, that he would bring them with him in final victory. And now a generation later, they're still waiting and they're growing impatient. And so it's to this community that the author is writing. And, and after 12 full chapters of deep theological themes and, and rich early teachings, these 12 chapters that describe God's faithfulness and righteousness and mercy and love, the author gets to our passage that Kathy read for us this morning, which starts this litany of ways to live a life of faith. And the author starts by this phrase, let mutual love continue. I wonder if you've ever heard someone speak, uh, a conference or an event, and, and, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting for them to finally get to the point. Some of you are nodding a little too hard at that. Uh, I remember as my graduation, uh, high school graduation, we, we invited a local community leader to speak, and uh, he was retiring, and we thought it was going to be a really good opportunity to, for him to impart onto us some wisdom but also it's his last you know public act as an official of our community and what was supposed to be a seven to nine minute address ended up going beyond 20 minutes and i'll never forget what he said he, he closed by saying now because you aren't going to remember anything i said up till now i'll leave you with this be kind and go change the world 
I was like, you could have started with that. You know, it's almost as if our author knows that we're getting to the end of this letter and, and knowing that it's such this rich and dense book, this, this, this theological themes, knowing that we're going to have to read it again and again to really get into the themes of this book. The author stops and simply says, look, at the end of the day, let mutual love continue. Because you know of our faithful and merciful and loving God, let mutual love continue. Because you have already been on this journey thus far, because you have experienced hardship and have endured this long, let of one another, of, of being in relationship with one another. But I love that the author doesn't stop there because we get to verse 2 and the author continues by saying, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Uh, from the Greek, uh, philosenia, love for strangers. Love one another, but that's not enough. Love one another and love even the stranger. Because you know of the ways of Jesus, because you have committed to this new way of living, because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, love one another, love even the stranger. You know, I've been thinking about this idea of love a lot this week. On Thursday, the world watched as Russian forces invaded Ukraine unprovoked, unwarranted, an aggressive show of empire, this desire for dominance, this desire for power, and I couldn't help but think about Jesus. This Jesus who, who preached love. Love one another, love your enemies. This Jesus who taught to turn the other cheek, who taught blessed are the peacemakers, this Jesus who was silenced, who was executed as an enemy of the state because he threatened the powers of empire. I, I thought and I was thinking, if we are to be followers of this Jesus, how are we then to respond in the face of war? I don't know yet. I know we need to. I don't know yet. The United Methodist Church says that uh, war is incompatible with the teachings of Christ. And as people of faith, our faith must reflect the teachings of that peace-loving, community-building, kingdom-bringing Christ. We must respond. We must react. We must love. I want to let you know that uh, I'm in conversation with some friends from the region. Um, I have friends who are currently in Russia, Methodist uh, pastors, and those who are here in the U.S., and we're looking at ways that our community here can be in solidarity with the Ukrainian people. And I'll, I'll update you as more uh, information comes out and as, as opportunities do arise. But, but I want to invite you and encourage you to look around to see the brokenness and hurt in our communities, in our backyard, 
We could talk about a whole lot of things. The, the anti-trans bill in, in Texas. The rise of homelessness and poverty in King County. And surely there are places for us to love. Surely there are ways for us to love. And so I hope and I pray that as we continue to navigate our lives of faith, as we continue to live out God's call for us, that we would be above all else, we would be people of love. That would be known by not only the words that we say, but those actions of love. And that we might see transformation in our community and, heck, around the world because of our love. Amen? Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for this time to gather for an opportunity to be your people online and in person. Thank you for the gift it is to worship together. We pray that you would continue to empower us and strengthen us and encourage us and make us bold to love one another and to love even the stranger. And that we might be your people here in the communities which we live and all over the world. It is in your holy name that we pray. Amen. All right, so that was the last sermon of our series, Life of Faith. Uh, we really hope that it was uh, meaningful for you, that uh, it was inspiring or challenging, that you were able to draw something uh, from this series. Uh, from, for us here at Bothell, uh, this week in particular, we're challenging our community to uh, do uh, an action of love, uh, to not just say the words or not just to express it through words, but to uh, show uh, love in our communities uh, throughout the week. Uh, we hope you'll take that on as well and to see how our actions of love do transform our communities. Uh, next week, we're going to uh, launch right into Lent uh, on Wednesday, uh, March 2nd. We uh, have Ash Wednesday and we'll go through Lent. Uh, we are um, using uh, the uh, material from uh, Sanctified Art uh, again and again. And that's going to be our theme for these next few weeks. So we hope you will journey with us as we uh, draw near to Easter, as we journey towards the cross, um, and to celebrate the ways that God continues to be with us and for us. Um, have a wonderful, wonderful week, and we'll talk to you soon.